17 of Infield Dirt. My name is Casey Honeybaum. I'm alongside Matt Chase. Um, shout out to everyone who listened to that last episode. We were just talking about it before this. 22 plays. I mean, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but for for a couple of bozos like us, that's those are good numbers. We like to for, see that. So for a couple of kids that don't really know a lot about baseball, you know, we love you guys. That's right. Yeah. So keep it up. We really appreciate it. Um, but it is. It's been, I know we're coming to you a little later in the week, but um, crazy couple of days. Um, it's been a busy past week. Um, I guess we could start with some of the more recent news that happened today. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to see any of the highlights. Uh, so the Astros came to town in New York. They're playing the Yankees right now. Um, and uh, it's kind of the culmination of like waiting a, of just a couple of years. Um you know, obviously when all the, the science scandal stuff broke and then and the obviously the Yankees were one of those teams that specifically felt cheated um, out of a, you know, whether it was a trip to the World Series uh, or whatever. But um, now the Astros finally come to town for that. And it's awesome that there's able to be fans in the stands because um, they are letting the Astros players have it. And I don't know. I mean, we, we've talked about this before where like maybe it's time to time to let it go. But I don't know. It, it kind of fires me up to see. And, and obviously I'm not a Yankees fan, but God, those fans showed up. So. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's exciting to see Yankees fans show up, give the Astros players everything they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, as you said, it's been a few years for Yankees fans. Um, obviously these teams aren't the same, you know, there's, there's still a lot of players that were on that 2017 or 18 run there but yeah i'm all for fans of baseball at any stadium giving it to the astros players um mm-hmm. if you've listened to our episode you'll know that i'm not a fan of the astros and what they did so i think they deserve every yeah. bit of the booze that they're receiving yeah no i'm with you i'm with you it's uh i mean they're really just gonna have to let their play dictate you know whatever happens this year because i think that you know dusty baker's made a couple comments saying that and I love Dusty Baker, but th- there's really not much you can say to defend the players. It, it's, it would be a different story if there was a punishment, if the players were punished and, you know, people, you know, serve suspensions or fined or whatever it was, because then you could say, well, that they got a punishment, but they never did. So obviously I think that they learned their lesson and hearing from other, you know, guys talking about it players in the league talking about it. I think that they're kind of past it, but for the fans, like since there was never a punishment and I, I think that, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think that at this point it's still, it's, it's wrong to, to hate the Astros, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm totally, I totally agree with you there. I mean, the, the fact that there really wasn't that big of a punishment for the players and, you know, add along the commissioner saying that it's, you know, just a piece of metal, the World right. Series. So it's, I think it kind of made it even worse for the fans in general, just, you know, pissing them off more. You know, especially if you're a Yankees fan, um, you think about 2017, you lose the Astros, you find out they were cheating. 2018, you lose the Red Sox, you find out they were cheating. And then we all kind of assume that the Astros were still cheating in 2019. So that's three years as a Yankees fan that you lose to the team that was cheating. Um, obviously, that's not going to sit well. So um, I think they have every right to be upset. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I just think it's uh, you know it's curious, and and obviously the uh, you know the Astros are they're a good team still. They're going to be there come October, come September. You know they're going to be playing meaningful games if not you know, already have some sort of solidified position in the playoffs. So um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. But um, I don't know. It's been, you know, these last couple of weeks have been pretty interesting. I think, like, one thing I wanted to talk about, and it's, I mean, we talk about him a decent amount, but, like, we also don't know. I I don't know. He's one of those guys that, well, he's not one of those guys. He is the guy. It's Mike Trout. Um, I mean, I mean, we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the year where he said that he he felt that like his swing wasn't right last year in a year that he had a 900 OPS and he like, you know, he was still figuring stuff out. But 
it, I guess he was not kidding because currently he's slashing 410, 515, and 759. So, and the 1.274 OPS. Um, and he's already got seven dingers in, you know, 83 plate appearances. So he's unbelievable. Yeah. No, I mean, Mike Trout's, he's obviously the best player in baseball. Um, you know, it's kind of like Jacob deGrom when it comes to pitching. It's just like there are other great players, but Mike Trout is the clear cut best. And then there's everybody else. So, um, you know, he's been off to a great start. I know we, the Angels right now, I think they're one game under 500. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to God they can get some starting pitching because, man, it would be so much fun to watch that team in the playoffs. Um, yeah. God, baseball fans deserve Mike Trout playoffs, but he's yeah. just such a special player to watch. And, you know, um, again, he's just off to a great start. But, you know, he, he's just – at this point, though, it's kind of like – it's like the Grom, you know, when they go out and he goes four for five with a homer, it's like, ah, oh, it's just Mike Trout being Mike Trout. So. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is true. Like you expect great things from him. I don't know if anybody expected getting on base and at a five fifteen clip and hitting four ten. But hey, if anyone's gonna do it, I guess it's gonna be Mike Trout. But um his teammate Shohei Otani is um I mean, talk about another guy who's fun to watch. Man, just like I watched him beat out a double. It was like yeah. a blue single and he turned it into a double. So good. Unbelievable. He's tied for the league lead in home runs right now. Um, it's incredible what he's doing right now. It's insane. And it, and he's been pitching, you know, he's pitching pretty well for the most part. So, I mean, you really can't ask for much more at all. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're a fan of baseball and, you know, it's a, you know, whatever night of the week and, you, you know, there's a chance to watch the Angels play. Um, I mean, they're just – you're going to see something happen that is going to impress you, whether it be Mike Trout or Otani doing something. I mean, Otani is just, like you said, he's fast. You know, he, he can really run. He's hitting the heck out of the ball this year. You know, I think people forget about Rendon too and yeah. how you know amazing of a player he is. They're just, there's a lot of fun people watching that team. We talk about him a lot. Um, David Fletcher is really good. So you know, Jared Walsh is hitting well too. So, I mean, the angels got a lot of fun players to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, I mean, their offense is it, it's, it's so it's kind of funny because it's almost underrated because everybody really only talks about trout and Otani. And then you just forget that arguably the best third baseman in the league is on their team. And, you know, you pair that with one of probably a top 10 second baseman and Jared Walsh, who's been really good, like you mentioned. So um, up and down that lineup. And then Justin Upton, who's had kind of a little bit of a revival. He's been, you know, not too bad this year. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, I, 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 like you said, I hope that they can get some pitching so they could stay in the mix. Seattle, obviously staying up there. Um, and in Oakland is just, you know, Oakland is for real They're I, that 13 game win streak was no fluke. They've obviously they've cooled down a little bit, but, um, but yeah, that, that was no fluke. I wanted to ask you too, because I saw this yesterday um, or maybe it was this morning, um, but the, uh, the power rankings for major league baseball came out uh, on, on their Instagram. So we'll go, we'll go up the list here. Number 10, the Atlanta Braves, number nine, the Kansas city Royals, um, number eight, the San Francisco giants, then the New York Yankees at seven. And this was yesterday. Then the Milwaukee Brewers at six, Houston Astros five, Chicago White Sox four, Padres three, Red Sox two, Dodgers one. This, I mean, this was one of the oddest lists I've ever seen. And I know it's only May 3rd, but first of all, the Oakland A's are not in there. Which is, I mean, I don't know how you can't have them in there. They how won 13 you, straight games. I, I mean, well, I mean, plus Atlanta is better than Houston, who's at who's sitting at fifth on yeah. that. Plus, I mean, I, I like Boston, but number two is way too high. Right. The Dodgers just lost us in May, and they've been scuffling. The Braves are 12 and 16. 
So, right. I mean, I think we all expect them to turn around, but at the yeah. current moment, they're 12 and 16. They're even worse than the Mets right now. Yeah. That, I mean, like, if it's, you're going to put anyone on there, you put the Nationals because they're number one in the, in the division. Yeah, I don't like that. And how, how you have Oakland not in there? They won 13 straight games. I also don't, right. And I just don't understand. I don't understand how, I mean, the Dodgers are three and seven in their last 10 games. I mean, they've been struggling since the last, since our last podcast, really Mm -hmm. after that series with San Diego. Um, You know, I don't understand what. Did you say St. Louis in there? Did you have St. Louis Louis wasn't even in there. They're 17 and 12. They're eight in their last 10. I know they weren't even in there. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that list at all. Not even a little bit. And 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 I don't understand. How do you have the Giants under the Dodgers and Padres when the Giants are first in the division? Yeah. It doesn't I, make sense. See, I think the list, like what I get a sense from the list is like yeah. it's still projections. Yeah. It's still what they think is going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you got to, you know, you got to use what you're seeing, you know, so far the season a little bit more. Right. And like you said, I don't know how you don't have St. Louis or Oakland in there. And then you have the Dodgers at number one, San Diego's. I mean, San Diego's been good. They right. should be on the list. They're 17 and 13. I mean, are they number three? You know, um, yeah, you can put them there, but it's like, I don't know. There's there, a lot of those teams you can argue, um, you know, you can argue for them in different spots, I guess. Right. And, and, and just like, you know, the Yankees on the list ahead of the Giants. I know these yeah. really mean nothing, but it's just so weird. MLB puts these lists out every week and it's just, and every week, it's, it seems like like people get angry and angrier and angrier in the comments. So it's just it's always something yeah. fun for us to look at. But I like I just don't understand it at all. But yeah, I mean it's a good segue though because to be fair though, I mean the Yankees are back up at five hundred. Um, this division's kind of starting to I don't know mixed well mixed together a little bit in the sense that um, Boston's still in first, obviously. But Toronto's starting to heat up a little bit. They've played; they're seven and three in their last ten, along with the Yankees. The Rays are the Rays; they're just going to be there no matter what, I think. And we and we've I think we can both kind of agree on that. But I mean, I, I think getting George Springer back on this Toronto Blue Jays team is huge right now. Yeah, no, I agree. George Springer is; I mean, he's one of the best center fielders in baseball. Um, he makes that lineup even deeper. Yeah. Um, and that lineup is scary. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is having a monster yeah. season. Three Bichette, home runs. And, and honestly, like Marcus Simeon, Bichette, Biggio, Guriel haven't really gotten going fully yet. So yeah. that lineup is going to be super scary. I mean, you said Tampa Bay. They're just going to be there. I don't love that team, but I also don't hate them. Right. Um, you know, the Yankees have been playing better, like you said. Um, they're seven and three in the last 10. They have a plus 14 run differential. Pretty good. Yeah. I still like the Red Sox. I'm not sure if I like them over Toronto, to be honest. I really like the Blue Jays. And yeah. also I'm going to give a little love to the Orioles. They're 14 and 15 right now. Matt Harvey, the former Met, you know, he's doing mm-hmm. his thing a little bit. He looks pretty yeah. good. So, uh, you know, we'll give some love to Baltimore. They're not, they're not doing too bad right now. No, no, not at all. No, that's another interesting division for sure. Um, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, and it's kind of what you brought up in the last week. When you look at the way that this division is going to shake out, Boston is going to get Chris Sale back at some point. So that's going to make them a lot better. Um, So, you know, Toronto probably gets Nate, a healthy Nate Pearson back at some point. Um, They're only going to get better in that, in that capacity. Obviously they got George Springer back. So that's already helping. Um, once those guys start hitting like Biggio and Bichette, like you mentioned, Teoscar Hernandez, um, you know, it's only going to lead to good things. It's still kind of I, like, obviously, yes, we talk about the Yankees a lot. They played better as of late. Um, they played better as of late against the Orioles and the Tigers, though. So, you know, you kind of have to look, take that with a grain of salt. I mean, a win's a win. And at this point for the Yankees, especially like you got to take those where you can get them. But all the, I mean, I love Corey Kluber. He's not, he's not what he was. His two best starts of the year this year have come against the Orioles and the Tigers. That's not a great sign. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's still good that he's been pitching better of late, but yeah. those offenses have both been scuffling a lot. Um, I'm still not sold on Tyone. I think, you know, he's a good pitcher, he's a solid guy, but batting averages jump like 300 points second time yeah. through the yeah. lineup against him, which is not good from a starter. And it's a similar type thing with Kluber. So, I mean, like you said, we're going to have to see them play good against better teams. And it starts tonight with the Astros. Mm-hmm. It's a big series for the Yankees. You know, yep. they really, it's at home. First time with fans playing the Astros. They really need to, um, you know, they need to show up and have a good competitive series and win the series, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And not for nothing, you know, this is kind of off topic, but the Yankees, I mean, they're booing the Astros and all that. Um, you got a wife beater on the mound in Domingo Hermon. So I don't really know how. Like, That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> how ethical are these Yankee fans really? Um, God, I get a, a Yankee fans like, like here, this is a, also a little bit off topic, but like talking about the Mets booing Lindor. I don't agree with that shit, but like, I mean, and then I see Yan- Yankee fans, you know, I got friends that are Yankee fans who are just like, well, you guys booing, like, why are your fans booing Lindor? It's like, guys, you were throwing trash on the field at Yankee stadium in the second week of the season, like giving me a fucking <laughs> break right now. Yeah. So, but, um, but no, ho- I mean, like, you know, hopefully they can get it going and, and, and start playing a little better. And like you said, yeah, absolutely starts this, this week with the Astros. It'll be a huge turning point if they're able to come away with, with a couple of wins. So um, definitely will be something to look out for. But, um, you know, we look at the AL Central. Um, Kansas City's still rocking in first place. Um, Damn straight. Our Royals, our Royals. Kansas City Royals have just been, I mean, they're just flying under the radar, really. They're, like, nothing is, um, you know, it's not like there's anyone really with like incredible offensive numbers. Like there's no trout or Otani on the team necessarily, but they just find ways to get wins no matter what. I mean, they've got a negative run differential. So obviously they know when to score the runs. Um, So, you know, kudos to them, I guess. I guess they take their blowouts and they just pick and choose. But (laughs) yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, the Royals and the Athletics both have a negative five run differential and they're both in first place. So that's yeah. that's interesting. And then the White Sox have a plus 28 run differential. So, I mean, when they're when they're beating teams, they just beat the shit out of them. But, um, yeah. you know, I still like the White Sox. I do, you know, yeah. obviously devastating to lose Roberts along with Jimenez now. Yeah. Those are two big blows. They're still talented enough to win the division and stay competitive. They're just, you know, they're a really good team, but obviously those are yeah. two huge losses for them. Um, and then, you know, the Twins, I think the Twins, you know, right now they're 11 and 16. They got through a slow start, but I still like them to be competitive in this division. Um, I Buxton is playing unreal. Um, their He's pitching really hasn't been right terrible. Yeah, they, they just kind of haven't won close games, which I think they're yep. going to they're really talented. So I think the twins will start to pick it up. Um, I'm not really that high on Cleveland I and mean, they just, they can't hit for right. their lives, but it's a good division. Go no, it is. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Go Kansas city all day long, Chicago. And, and obviously what you were referring to Luis Robert is he's expected to be out. I think it was like six to 12 weeks with that. Um, uh, like hip strain or whatever it was. It was just, just a brutal injury and, and it's tough. And, you know, he was, he was off to a pretty good start this year, which was what you like to see um, after his rough 2020. But um, yeah, that's a tough blow for the White Sox. But I think that like, and and really Giolito hasn't pitched, you know, to his standards yet either this year, he's had a couple of rough starts in a row too. So I think once he really gets locked in and going and you know who, I think Michael Kopech at some point works his way into the rotation. He's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, he, he just, he's a, like, nobody is hitting him right now. So. No, it's scary. I mean, once Giolito gets going for them yeah. with is, I think Lance Lynn's injured right now. I haven't seen yeah. him pitch in a while. You got Giolito, Lynn, Carlos Rodon, Kopech, um, Dylan Cease. Has been really good lately. Garrett Cochet, Liam Hendricks in that bullpen. I mean, that is a, 
they're just incredibly talented and they're going to get Roberts back. And then I think um, Jimenez should be back at the end of September. Oh, wow. Around then, maybe I think that might be wrong, but um, maybe they could get him back for playoffs. That'd be a big boost, but yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah, no, they're going to be a, they're going to be a good team. And they're one of those teams where like, obviously as much as we love our Kansas city Royals, um, you know, we expect the White Sox to come away with this division at some point, and obviously the Twins to to hopefully make it a little bit interesting. But um, right now, I don't. I I think that it it is a good sign for the Royals that like, you know, they are. Th- I think it's good that we don't. This is going to sound weird, but like it's cool that they're still finding ways to to put together wins when you know the guys in their line like not everybody in their lineup is necessarily hitting. 400 and and you know they they don't have crazy inflated stats from their pitching staff it's really nothing like that um I mean I'm pretty sure the highest batting average is Ben Intendi he's hitting 277 so you know nobody's been like unbelievable necessarily so it's cool to I, I think that that's a good sign that they're just playing good baseball as a group fundamentally um so that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure um, going into the season, but well, or into the rest of the season. Yeah, and then not to. Um, I mean, I'm definitely going to jinx it, and I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. But Mike Miner does have a no hitter right now through four against Cleveland. So, um, and we'll see how that unfolds. Sorry, Mike Miner. I know you're going to give up a hit next uh, next batter you face. Didn't uh, this would be Cleveland's second no hitter or to second time being no hit this season, right? Yeah, no, it, it's it's been a rough offensive season for them. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least. Um, but I want to ask you real quick too. Um, Cause there has been some, some scrutiny surrounding the white Sox manager, Tony La Russa. Um, I know a lot of people think, and there was an article in the athletic from Ken Rosenthal who said, um, I mean, kind of just saying that the manager has been, you know, he's been making some, some pretty, I guess, perplexing decisions in this first month of the season, I, I, wa- I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I think coming into the year, it was a very surprising hire to hire a guy like that. Who's for the most part, pretty old school and has that old school mentality. And you're pairing him up with one of the younger, more exciting, I guess, teams in baseball. Um, and I, I think like for me hearing these things about LaRue, I'm not super surprised because they're just different schools of thought. Yeah, you know, when he got hired, it was an interesting hire because you hear a lot nowadays of teams wanting younger guys who understand the analytics and who basically will listen to whatever they're told and kind of use the analytics more. And when I think of Tony La Russa, I think of an old school manager who, you know, goes on his gut and, you know, really relies on his players, which, you know, isn't a bad thing, but, um, you know, and then in the offseason, the whole DUI thing, that was a tough yeah. look. So I think it's kind of, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a bumpy start for him. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm still not sold on him, you know, being the manager of this team. I think, you know, his old school ways aren't bad, I guess, for the young guys to keep them in check. But, um, you know, it's definitely, it was definitely a different way of going about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can say that like, obviously there's going to be early, sort of roadblocks along the way or whatever it is, which, you know, obviously is to be expected, but I don't know. It, it is interesting because I, I see like some of the in-game strategy that I've seen is just not, I, I don't know. Like I, I think about that Giolito's start on uh, late April. I mean, he left him out there to dry in the first inning. Like obviously he didn't have it. You got to get him out of there. I, I mean, he threw like – didn't throw like almost 40, 60 pitches or something like that. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, I, like, I think that's been some of the, some of the main complaint, I guess, with him. You see, I didn't, I didn't mind that move in particular okay. because that's the old school. Yeah. Right. Of managing and, right. and Tony LaRusso knowing that he needs Jolita to be their ace and he needs him to go out there and struggle and figure things out while he's struggling and kind of, figure it out so that if there's a start later on in the year where they need him to be 
competitive, not even just dominant, that he'll, you know, he can go out there with his not so great stuff and realize that LaRouche is not going to take him out and kind of figure out a way to still give them five or six innings while keeping them in the game. So I, I didn't hate the move, but, you know, okay. at the same time, I think during the moment, it's like, you know, is he going to, you know, how long can you leave this guy out there to dry, basically? Yeah, I, I just don't, it is tough because that's a good point you made. I didn't think of it that way because it is, you know, you do want to, I guess you do want to have your pitcher be in uncomfortable situations, but I don't know. I thought like, no, I, I thought it was tough, just especially being who Giolito is, where obviously he's been an ace for a couple of years, but you know, um, it's just like, he's got that history of not of being bad and you don't want any, you don't want one, you don't want him to get hurt, but, it, but it is true. Cause I, I mean, this is just what we're used to with pitchers sort of for the most part being babied in a sense. Um, so, you know, and I don't know. It, it, it's curious to see, but speaking of that, um, DeGrom was scratched from his start tonight against the Cardinals. Obviously that game didn't happen. It got postponed um, in St. Louis, but that's kind of troubling. Um, so I guess what I've been reading about it is he got an MRI where they said it was inflammation in his, I think it was his right side. Um, and there's a doctor on, on Twitter who said that he's concerned DeGrom might have an oblique strain. Um, but because, and because of how valuable he is, you know, an MRI is not, I, I don't know if like an MRI would show that is what he's saying, but, um, they should just shut him down for 10 to 15 days, miss a couple starts. Um, because like only having, I guess only having inflammation in your right side, they would classify that as a grade one oblique strain. Um, so no structural changes will be seen on an MRI, but if he returns and pitches, it might become a grade two. So it's the Mets are in an interesting spot right now. I wonder what now, to be honest, they don't seem to score runs when he pitches. So maybe, you know, not having him out there, maybe you score a couple more runs, which is bonkers to say, but, um, it's, I don't think they're babying, babying him at this point. I think like you have no choice. Like if DeGrom complains about anything, you got to just be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's still may, you can't push him right now. You're going to need him to be healthy, you know, down the stretch here. So it's, it's way too early to start pushing him. And also, I mean, you know, he's your guy. You gotta, if he needs some, if he needs to miss two or three starts and you give him that little rest, um, you know, and like you said, the Mets have been struggling to score runs anyway. So they are. Yeah. I mean, they're a lot, they've got bigger problems. You know, they need to get Lindor going. They really need to get him playing better. Um, so I, they can they can be okay without Degrom for a couple of weeks. They just need other guys to start playing yeah. better. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'd say I watch them every night, and I mean they've scored less runs than the Tigers this year. The Tigers are second to last. Mets are dead last. They've scored 76 runs total. That's brutal. In you know in 23 games, um, it, it's just it's bad. And obviously they just fired their hitting coach Chili Davis. I mean, they, it was a weird time to fire him. They fired him after they put up, what was it? Five. They put up, they had 17 hits and then they put up five runs. Obviously they lost to the Cardinals six to five, but they still put up five runs, which for them seems like an offensive explosion at this point. Um, now yeah, that is a weird time to fire him. Isn't it? Doesn't it? It seems weird. And I don't think like, how can you say that he's the problem? Really? This is what yeah. I this might just be something we don't understand because we're, we've never been in a major league clubhouse, but it seems weird to blame the, the hitting, like how much can this guy really teach the hitters at this point? At this point there, aren't they like big leaguers and they kind of know their swings themselves. I mean, I, I get it. Like, you know, it's important to have a good hitting coach, but at the same time, like how much can you blame Chili Davis for Lindor? Right. You know, seemingly not having a hit and you know his last 20 at bats like right how much can you blame him for that i mean it's not like you know and it's also it's still relatively early i guess right. but like the team put up 17 hits and then you fire them so it's like yeah. i kind know of a strange move 
it, it was really weird. And I, and like when you bring up Lindor too, just sit him a game. Like he hasn't had a day off, I don't think. And like obviously he doesn't want to admit he's in a slump. I understand that, but like just watching the game, his top half is is so out of sync with his bottom half. I mean, he's up there just flailing. It looks like he he's rolls not, over on every every at bat. It's either a rollover or a pop up. He's or he strikes out looking. I mean, he's just not having good at bats at all, and it's been, it's been pretty pathetic to watch. Yeah. And I, like, it's so early in the season, and he's too good of a hitter to to be like to be this bad. But like. I mean, right, I'm pretty sure he's hitting like a buck sixty something right now. So at one point, at what point in the season, or really like the interesting question would be if like in two or three years, if this Lindor thing doesn't, if he's still struggling or he's not hitting like he was in Cleveland, I mean, is it is it who do you point the finger at? I guess is it Lindor or is it Steve Cohen? Because I like, I yeah, think it's, it's got to be Lindor. It's on Lindor because he's the one playing. Well, because you, you can't guess that this is going to happen with Lindor. No, no, so and good for so long. Like, I mean, Mets fans have to understand. Like, he's going to be fine. Like, he's yeah. a great baseball player, and you know, players go through this sometimes. Um, you know, he's been good for too long. Um, you know, he might have a down year in general, but he'll at some point he'll get it going this year. Yeah. And to be, I mean, completely honest, like all it takes for him when you're that good is one at bat where you feel good again or one big hit in a crucial spot and yeah. he'll be fine. I feel like he's just kind of going through the whole getting used to New York thing. And, you know, once he has that game where he plays great and wins the game for them, yeah, you know, it'll be smooth sailing for them from there. Cause you know, he's, you know, he's a great player and, you know, Mets fans are going to love him for his career there. You know, he's Mr. Smile. He's, you yeah. know, he's just um, everything you want a franchise player. So he'll be fine. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And, and two, like one thing that you have to, that I think Mets fans need to remember is how much of an upgrade he is defensively at shortstop. I mean, it seems like him and McNeil are making highlight plays every night and I mean, Lindor is just and, – and the attitude that he brings, the way that he manages and, and, and quarterbacks the infield is unlike anything I've ever, ever witnessed as, as a Mets fan. So it's, um, it's, it's great to watch. And I think, like, you just have to remember, like you said, at some point he's going to get it going offensively. But enjoy the fact that we have a gold glove, platinum glove caliber shortstop out there who makes the team better – defensively even when he's not necessarily doing it with the bat so um i think that's something to to pay attention to a little bit but um i, I want to talk about that phillies met series because there were so many just I, I mean first of all one thing sunday night baseball has that been killing it dude that was the best sunday night baseball game i've ever seen i think <laughs> that was awesome. awesome yeah yeah it was unbelievable and, and like, obviously the week before, I think all the Sunday night baseball games, except for one this year has not been tied in going into the last inning. Like they've yeah, all the awesome games. Yeah. The Padres Dodgers is great. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's great. And, uh, and that, but that game, man, it, it just seems like, and this is a whole nother story that we can get into after we talk about, this series in particular, the officiating, the umpiring, not only in Major League Baseball as a whole, but in that series in particular, was really like highlighted as to how shit the umpiring has been this year. Just brutal. Not, like you have inconsistent balls and strikes. You have McCutcheon being called out of the baseline on that play where it wasn't even close. I don't know if you did you see that? Yeah, Ugh. I did. It was a terrible call. Horrible. And then obviously like now the Reese Hoskins calling back the home run. Um, so I'm, I was sitting across from, from Gil, my roommate and uh, I'm watching this. They're up by 
I think they were up by four in this inning. They scratch a run across. They got runners on a runner on first and third. First and third, yeah, when Reeks came up. But before they so there was a runner on third at this point. Before they walked whoever was in front of Reese, I can't remember who it was, but it might have been Bohm. But before they walked Bohm, I go, I say to Gil, I go, you know what? If he walks Bohm and Reese comes up, he's 100% hitting a three-run homer to tie this game just because of who it is. Mets fans, I think Mets fans at this point, I'd, I've never hated him, but I'd, like, I think Mets fans at this point hate Reese Hoskins more than they hate Bryce Harper. If they hate Bryce Harper at all, I don't really think a lot of them have a problem, but I think Reese Hoskins is public enemy number one for the New York Mets fans. So it was just so fitting that like, oh yeah, he'll come up and Homer off of Diaz who shouldn't have even been in the game after pitching the night before in a non-save situation. And then sure enough, he hit it about as far as you can hit it without it being a home run. So it was, no, I mean, watching that. Yeah, no, I, I had a couple of my Mets fans text me. They were like, before the inning started, saying how Diaz is going to lock it up and he's the best closer. Oh, I... And as soon as I saw Hoskins come in, I was like, I don't know, man. He, you know, this just feels right that he's going to yeah. hit a homer. Yeah. And then he hit it. And now, obviously, they called it just a double. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was just – that was a crazy inning. Insane. And then, you know, and then the fact that Familia comes in and Harper, you know – yeah his wrist was bothering him. You could just tell he looked like it was using a lot of pain. So, I mean, that call basically saved the Mets game, um, yeah. which, I mean, that would have been a tough way to go in extra innings with a four run lead and you blow that. And that's, yeah. that's pretty brutal. Um, I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but when I saw Diaz throw ball one in that inning, I go, well, he doesn't have it. Right. I, I mean, I could tell like the first pitch, I was like, he doesn't have it. I don't think well, he's got it. He walked the first guy in four straight pitches and you're like, Oh boy, you know, yeah. never a good sign. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and, but it's like, he's so bad in non-safe situations, which is so weird, but I don't know. That's just how he is. And I, I think like Rojas has made some questionable moves out of the gate with the bullpen, but for the most part, the Mets, this bullpen has been top-notch, fantastic. Trevor May, Aaron Loop, Miguel Castro have all been fantastic. Sean Reed Foley has looked pretty nasty. Um, so, yeah, they, 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 they've definitely been good. But, I mean, sorry, Reese. Maybe if you did a couple more curls in the weight room, you would have gotten that ball over the fence. I mean, it's your own stupid ballpark's ground rules. Maybe don't have it. Maybe just have the rule be if the ball goes over the padding over the fence, it's a home run. Like why do you have? Why does it have to go over that second? The second railing is just there so drunk fans don't fall out of the stands. So that's on you, honestly. Yeah, that's on Reese, man. You gotta be better. You gotta do more push-ups. You gotta eat your Wheaties. Come on. Absolutely, couldn't happen to a better guy. I hate Reese Hoskins. I'll say it. Hopefully, you know Reese. Sorry if you're listening to this. If you're listening, man, you gotta be better. You gotta be better, and don't get pissed off that Miguel Castro misses like maybe not like half a foot inside, and then stare him down. God, I don't want to get into that, but. Um, we'll talk about the, we talked a little bit about the Cardinals, the NL central, they're tied with the Brewers. They've uh, eight and two in their last 10 games. They've been playing real well. Um, the Cardinals are looking like the team that we kind of pegged them to be at the start of this year. I think the bottom three teams in that division are irrelevant at this point. Um, they're not irrelevant. Amir Garrett keeps the Cincinnati Reds irrelevant sometimes for the wrong reasons. Um, but God, you got to love his energy. And the stupid thing, MLB, they suspended for seven games for yeah. getting into an altercation with the Cubs. Give me a fucking break. Good job, baseball. Yeah. Just doing their absolute best to make it not fun. So. Yeah. No, they do fun. a good job of that. You know, they yeah. they do a really good job of that. Oh, man. I mean, but this St. Louis team, they're legit. Nolan Arenado is, yeah. I mean, he's tearing the cover off the ball. Goldschmidt's hitting the ball well. Man, I just that addition of Arenado in that lineup. I mean, he just he fits so well with that yeah. team. Tommy Edmond seems like every night has multiple hits. Yep. Dylan Carlson's playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know they really haven't even pitching wise got it going fully yet. Yeah. Wainwright's been hurt, struggled a little bit. Flaherty's off to a great start, but um, Carlos Martinez has been pretty good his last two yeah. starts. But I mean, in general, they're kind of been okay. So, I mean, I think it's a good sign for them that they're, they're still, you know, they're 17 and 12 and the Brewers have basically played perfectly Yeah, and right. the Cardinals are still tied to them. So that's a great sign if you're a St. Louis fan. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the Cardinals are a good team. They're fun to watch. And um, God, Nolan Arenado is good at baseball. Yeah. And I think the one thing to to kind of refute your point about the Brewers, they just got Yelich and Kane back. So that might help. That could only help them a little bit. But to be fair, like Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns have been like historically good. And it's 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 unrealistic to expect them to keep up that pace for the entire season. So um, obviously, like they're going to have bumps in the road. And when that happens, like the rest of the team's got to step up. So um, but I think it's a, it's a two horse race in, in that division for sure. Um, speaking of horse race, did you watch the, um, this is baseball. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby? Dude. Okay. So I'm a little oh, upset okay. about this. Oh, no. Um, okay. So we were back, we were driving back from RPI. Maybe we had a game mm-hmm. and we were trying to get the Kentucky Derby on our um, computer there, but the Wi-Fi in the bus was just completely shitty, man. We couldn't figure it out. Next thing I know, I get the ESPN notification on my phone of who won. I was just like, fuck this. I'm done. You know, it put me in a real pissy mood. Oh, man. That is tough. I, I did get to watch. Um, and uh, so funny story. So I've never, I've never gambled on the Kentucky Derby. Um, change that this year a little bit. Ooh. So basically – let me find the list of the horse. Cause I got to remember the, um, okay, here we go. So, so I'd never bet on the Kentucky Derby before. So I was going solely by the name. I don't know anything about horse racing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, soup and sandwich was the one that I, that I bet on. Mm-hmm. I threw five on soup and sandwich. I believe that they were 23 to one odds to win the race. So it would have been a pretty solid payout. Now, um, I think Medina Spirit was the one that won. Um, and a bunch of the guys that I was watching with said that whoever the ho- – um, the uh, – what do you call it? The horse trainer. I guess he hadn't lost a race in seven years, but he still had like crazy odds. I think they were like 12 to 1. So my buddies all put money on him and I put money on Soup and Sandwich – now, Soup and Sandwich came out of the gate real hot, was in first place, finished last, but was in first place for a little. So I got the rush a little bit. And then Medina Spirit came around and, and, and pulled off the win. Baffert, Bob Baffert, that's the trainer. Um, I guess he's he's the best trainer of all time. So, um, and you know, my buddies, the, the if any of them are listening, you have gambling problems and um, you should call 1-800-GAMBLING and seek some help for that. Um but it, you know, it's nice to see the boys get a get a win. And uh, I, I was looking at that stadium. I think they were only at like, apparently they weren't even at full capacity. That place was rocking. <laughs> was, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I it's was like, just so good having fans back and places again. God, I, I love it. It just wouldn't be the same. You see everybody's frilly, stupid fucking hats that they wear to those places. Yeah. These people look ridiculous. Dude, oh so would I go and do it? Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, totally. I mean, someone can invite me if they want. Yeah, no, but, we're yeah. we're always free. We're always down. Yeah, we're always we don't free. we don't have much of a life, guys. If you want to invite us, we'll go. Yeah, as evidenced by us recording this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get back to baseball a little bit here. Round out the MLB, the Giants. We'll talk about finish up with the NL West. Um, obviously, we talked to the Dodgers, skidded a little bit in their last 10. Now it sucks because they lose Dustin May to Tommy John surgery. That's a huge blow. It seems like it's now it's May 4th. Are the Dodgers running out of pitching now? No, I mean, they're okay. they're still – I mean, they've got guys in the minor leagues, um, Josiah Gray and stuff. They've got plenty of arms. It's yeah. a huge blow losing May. Obviously, that sucks. He's such a good arm. He's so talented. Yeah, so it sucks for a baseball fan, but they'll be okay. I mean, they're they're loaded. They're you know they're so deep with talent, and um, yeah, um, they're yeah. Fun. No, it is true. I mean, currently the the tough thing is like right now because obviously Price is on the IL, and I mean their rotation is a currently a four man rotation right now, and Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Arias. Arias has been phenomenal. 
So when do you bring Gonsolin into this? When do you bring, uh, like you said, Josiah Gray up from the minor leagues? I think they're going to have to start making those those decisions soon. Um, but, I mean, I talked about – I was thinking about this a little bit too with the Dodgers. Um, I think they kind of got exposed a little bit in that series against the Padres. I know that, like – I know they were a lot of close games, but the Padres just impressed me more with their offensive – like the way that they went about the game because they, they didn't try and just solely rely on home runs and, and stuff like that. It seems like the Dodgers do a little more of that. Whereas like the Padres, like they were going station to station. They were just kind of, you know, they were taking their hits where they came, hitting the ball where it was pitched, finding holes, beating the shift. Just like I said, station to station, moving guys up. Um, and I didn't see the Dodgers doing a whole lot of that. Yeah, I you know I think they're dealing with a little bit of a World Series hangover, you know, yeah. which I I don't like saying that because I don't think that's a good excuse. But so far they really haven't played great baseball. I don't think, um, you know, Mookie Betts and Corsier really haven't got it going yet. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're talented and they're, they'll be fine. Like they're they're ridiculously yeah. good, but. You know, even when we saw them that first weekend against the Rockies and opening yeah. day and stuff, like the Rockies played much better baseball than them overall. Obviously, the Rockies aren't as talented as the Dodgers, but right. I think sometimes the Dodgers can get away with not playing great baseball necessarily because they're so talented. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean they'll be okay. Well, I mean once you come, once it comes playoff time, though, I mean if if that's when you see it. Yeah, that's where that stuff kind of gets exposed. Do you think that I – mean, what do you think about the – obviously the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be there. But what do you think about the Giants? Are they – I mean, are they legit or – I love the Giants, man. Yeah. Like I am such a big fan of that. I hope they stay in it. I think that Buster Posey coming back after missing a year, he's looked great. Um, their rotation is sneaky good. Um, they've got a bunch of guys who, you know, Discofani, Aaron Sanchez is a big time arm from a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Kevin Gossman's gross. elite. Yeah. Um, Logan Webb, like they've got dudes that can pitch it. Um, you know, yeah, they're an older team, but I mean, they just, they've got good baseball players. Mike Ostrzemski's hurt right now, but you know, he's a really good, like a really good player Yeah. Um, for them. So you know, I, I think that they can, I, you know, obviously I don't think that they're going to win the division, but right. man, I'd love to see them hang around, maybe get a wild card spot. Be great to see. Yeah. They're just another team. That's just, they're just playing good baseball. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even think, I don't think they're going to sniff the playoffs to be honest with you. I just don't see it in order for them to sniff even like not even make the playoffs, but compete for a wild card. I mean, so much has to go right. Well, really, really everything has to go right. I mean, you'd have to get Cueto back from the IL, Gosman back from the IL, maybe get Tyler Beatty back and he does something. Um, half their bull, you know, a couple players on their bullpen are on the IL too. So, like, literally everything's got to go right for them. And I just think that the Padres and the Dodgers are too good. And I think that other teams, like, you know, you've got Milwaukee and St. Louis and then – you know, Philly, the Mets and Atlanta, whatever Washington does, like teams like that, who I just think are much better and just have a little bit more depth than the Giants do. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think it happens where they, I don't, I don't think they, I don't see them sniffing the playoffs at all. Yeah. No, I mean, the division is really tough. So I can see that. I also think that the Diamondbacks have been playing pretty good baseball i love Caven smith shout out to Caven smith he's, he's great he's great yeah. um but yeah no i mean the nl west has been better than i think we would have assumed yeah um but yeah no we'll see it's all you know like you said the, the longer that the giants and um longer the giants and diamondbacks stay relevant hang in there the better you know baseball it is competitively so you know, yeah i hope they can I'm, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, let's do a little talk here. Um, I know we have, it's been a little bit since we talked college, but you know, they're, they're, they're going through the dog days of their season right now. I want to talk about the MLB draft because this is something that I've been excited to talk about for a while. And obviously we're, 
we're getting close to, um, you know, we're getting close to June. We're in May right now, obviously just the start of May, but, um, we're getting close or sorry, the July draft, uh, excuse me. But, um, now we start to see which college players, which high school players are, are making moves. Um, one high school player that stood out to me, I don't know if he's eligible to be drafted this year. I think he is. Um, and now I'm blanking on his name. He's a right-handed pitcher. Um, Bryce Petty. Chase Petty. Chase Petty. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's eligible. He's a senior. Oh, my God. He's great. Throws Man, 102. Jeez. But anyways, um, we'll talk about him for sure. But who, I mean, who are we looking at here in the draft early? You know, there's some hitters that have been impressive in college, obviously, and, you know, some high school hitters that look good. Um what are you thinking about for, I mean, is it still lighter? Is it still rocker? Yeah, for me, it's Jack lighter. Number one, uh, okay. his fastball is just insanely explosive. Yeah. Um, Chase Petty, like you mentioned, he's a guy that's just going to keep going up. I think the more scouts get to see him in high school, yeah. absolutely electric stuff. Um, but you know, some of the other players that I really like, I love, Ty Madden, the right-handed pitcher out of Texas. Yeah. Um, Gunnar Hoagland of Ole Miss is great. Mm-hmm. Jordan Wicks, left-handed pitcher from Kansas State. He's really good. Um, Adrian yeah. Del Castillo, the catcher from Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a top prospect. He's a guy to keep your eye out. But right That's now – too. Yeah. No, but right now, for me, I mean, I think Jack Leiter's got to be the number one guy. And I think okay. – you know, interestingly enough, Kumar Rocker might slip a little bit just because his velocity's been down a little bit this season. Um, you know, he's going to be a he's going to be a top five pick, I think. But I do think yeah. that he has, you know, he has the potential to slide a little bit just because I think there's going to be some questions about his velocity being down a little bit. And I know he yeah. still gets up to ninety four, ninety five, and he got it up to like ninety seven, but. I think scouts have seen a lot more 92s this year than they expected. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. like, I mean, like I'm saying, that's nitpicking though. Like he's a great pitcher. No, it's a really good point. And that, you know, speaking of pitchers too, I was wondering what you think, like how, where do you think that Jaden Hill fits into this? Because obviously before his injury, he was one of the best pitchers in college baseball. One of the best pitchers in the sec, um, a guy with just with disgusting stuff. So I, I wonder where, and I, but obviously he's got, he's having Tommy John. So where does a pitcher like that fit in a, in, in a draft where there's already so many established college pitchers. And obviously before his injury, he was one of them. So do you think a team takes a first round chance on this guy or what? No, I think what yeah. happens to him is what happened to JT Ginn, the guy that uh, Mets drafted last year where he'll fall to the second or third round get drafted, but the Tommy John really is going to hurt his stock and his chances of being a first round pick. And also I think he'll sign for less just because the teams will be like, look, dude, you're having Tommy John, not necessarily going to come back as the same pitcher. So I think it's a huge, you know, loss for him overall, but um, he's still going to be a, um, a top pick in terms of, you know, you know, being in the top two or three rounds, but Tommy John definitely hurts him. Yeah. I'm with you for sure. It, it is tough. I wonder too, you know, you mentioned um, JT Ginn and um, I mean, I could, is Jaden Hill, a, is he a senior or is he a junior? I believe he's a junior. He might even be a sophomore that's eligible for the draft. Let's see. Um, I'm going to look this up here because. Um, Jaden Hill is a, ju- I mean, he's a junior. So does he stay another year and try and boost his draft stock? Because obviously like he's losing out on a lot of money and say what you want about, you know, at the end of the day, like it is kind of a business. So I don't know. I, I think, I think you just go, um, you come yeah. back to college, you risk getting hurt again and your stock yeah. dropping even lower. Right. He's obvious. I mean, he's got big league stuff. I think you go, you deal with Tommy John, you start your professional career. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, it's like the same thing with any sport, like football or basketball. You hear guys talk about they, you know, if they get hurt and then they come back and they get hurt again, how their stock's just going to drop even lower. So, I, you know, I think the smart move for him would just be to go. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. 
That is a good point. What do you think about um, the uh, the McLean brothers? Um, a couple of guys that are making moves. Matt McLean is the shortstop for UCLA. Um, and then his younger brother, Nick McLean, is a center fielder uh, for Beckham High School in Irvine, California. Um, they could legitimately both be first-round draft picks. Which is um, it's incredible. It's unreal. Um, but in terms of one going first, I mean, probably Matt McLean, right? Yeah. I mean, he is – so I don't really know a ton about them both. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, Matt's probably going to go higher being a college player. Right? Yeah. He's the one at UCLA, yeah. Just yeah, being I mean, the fact I, that he's – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, to give you a couple stats – um, he had like a, like a, his, he had a rough start to the season, disappointing freshman year, had a really good showing in the Cape league. And then, um, was off to a really good start his sophomore year before the pandemic hit. And then obviously, like I said, when he struggled at the beginning of that junior season, um, he really turned it around and he's only struck out seven times in 79 plate appearances since his, his struggles started. Um, and, um, he started to hit. I believe he's got nine home runs this year. So like, obviously you, you think like, yeah, there might be a little bit of swing and miss, but you know, he's got it. He's got a good glove at shortstop runs. Well, he projects as like a top third in the order hitter. So, um, and defensively he's played all the positions. So, um, and he's got the arm to stay at short. So I, yeah. I think he's a solid bet to be, you know, a first round pick for sure. Yeah, I agree with oh. that. I mean, he's, He's a great player, but I mean, that's how awesome is that to have, you know, brothers that could potentially be first round picks. And if they are first round picks, I mean, shout out to their parents. They're, you know, those are some dope kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. I remember a couple of, uh, man, what year was it now? I think it was 2013. David and Dustin Peterson um, were brothers. Uh, can't remember what, school david went to he was the better one and he was taken in the first round by the mariners i don't think he ended up making it to the major leagues and neither did dustin i know dustin got taken by the padres david was by the um mariners but um that that's the only time i've ever seen that before and it's insane it's crazy to see that um you know maybe like one of you or i could get like one of their stats they don't have to both like all fall in the same freaking family i know right <sighs> but, unbelievable man yeah but th- th- these are the time. This is the time when, like, all of these, especially the college players, start to really, um, you know, try and boost their draft stock. It's inter- I, It's weird trying to judge high school talent because everybody's seasons are so up and down with with COVID and everything. I mean, I know a lot of high schoolers like are now. I mean, it's May and they're just starting their seasons. I know for myself, like when I played, we would start in late March. So, um. It's weird. Yeah, it, it definitely is weird. And also you can't really judge high school stats because somebody that's playing in Texas, it's going right. to be more competitive than, you know, New York or something like that. So it's, it's more based on, you know, what the scouts see and stuff like that. But yeah, um, you know, it's always interesting to see though, like in terms of how many college players versus high school players get taken in the first two. Yeah. yeah. I think we've started to see that trend a little bit recently where really it is just, I mean, people are taking are more willing to take the chance on the high school, on the, sorry, sorry, the college player um, in the first round than they are the high school players. And I think, uh, you know, that's just probably just because of how, just how good they are and how established these programs are. They're, they've basically turned into minor league um, systems of their own, I guess. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, it'll be something to, uh, cool to keep an eye out for. Um, currently, give a little update before we sign off here. Yankees are up 7-3 on the Astros. They're giving it to them a little bit. So, um, You'd love to see it. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, so that'll do it for our episode here today. I don't know. You got anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I mean, uh, we covered a lot. You know, obviously – um, go Kansas City Royals. We love you guys. They're winning yeah. three nothing right now. Um, Shohei Otani keep being absolutely disgusting at everything you do. But yeah, yeah. Speedy recovery to, to Jacob Degrom. Um, as always, 
I, I, my energy was a little down today. I was a little tired. I don't know about anyone. I don't know. I hope that didn't bleed through across the microphone, but man, getting, getting down to the end with finals. I can't wait yeah. to be over. So God, not, there's nothing worse than school. So we're almost done. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to any of our professors who listen to this podcast. Yeah. That, that definitely doesn't happen. So I think we're fair to say, yeah, we're, we're um, okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, follow us on Instagram at infield dirt. As always, don't go to Chipotle and Ithaca. Got to remind you of that every time, just in case for some reason somebody is listening to the end of this and is like, you know what? Let's go get some Chipotle. No. Don't go. Go to Moe's. Save yourself the hassle and you'll get some better food and better service. So Moe's, feel free to sponsor this podcast. And we will talk to everybody next week. Thank you so much for tuning in.